Emergency services. Please, you gotta help me. There's this weird guy. Ma'am. Please. Ma'am, call us when you're dead. What the fuck? Welcome back, callers, to another episode of Call Us When You're Dead. I'm Keith. And I'm Ryan. And welcome to season three of Call Us When You're Dead, Murderer on Campus. Woo, season three. I know, it seems so weird. Can you believe we have been doing this since February? Right. I guess time flies when you're having fun. I mean, I've been having a lot of fun. It is so hot in this room today. I don't know why. (laughs) It is so unbearably hot. So... Ryan, what has been going on with you? Oh, nothing really specially new with me. Do you want to tell the people about what we saw online the other day for the podcast? Oh, I figured I'd I'd let you share that one because you'd be able to explain it better than I would. Okay, well then, do you want to tell the winners of the t-shirt contest then about what's going on with the t-shirts? Oh, yeah. And the great news behind that, finally. Remember that? Guys, all of our callers out there, all of our winners, we did not forget about you. No, we did not. We did just get confirmation that those custom shirts will be here by the end of the week, and then we will send them out to you all, our contest winners, as soon as we get them. Because I know that wait was ridiculous. Yeah, it was. that. Those prices were so crazy with the... Like shortages that they were having, and then they couldn't do certain colors, and then they couldn't do this, and they couldn't do that. And we were like, What the fuck? Right. It was just ridiculous. Right. So we finally have that completely covered. But then I was like, Oh, husband, you got to look at this because I went to go check out our reviews. And, you know, because we're always pushing, you know, review, review, review. Please, if you can, five star review us. So, underneath, at the very bottom, it says, if you like this podcast, you will also like, and we were in there with, like, morbid true crime podcast, like, uh, um, Dateline, Dateline, then we had Sword and Scale, Sword and Scale. we had like, Obsessed with time. True Crime, yeah, big, big time named podcast, and that is just, that sets Ryan and I over the edge of just being so happy and so delighted, because if we're... Being shown up, like they're showing up on our, you may like that algorithm is out there that we may also like, you know, people may also like ours. So, and it it would not be possible without all of you listeners, right? And all you callers doing the the likes and subscribes and those five stars. So, we appreciate it, right? So, thank you guys so, so much. You don't even understand how elated we are. Like, I, I wish you guys could see the. The smile on our faces as we're talking about this because it's just, this is cool. And, but of course, if you have not done that yet, get your ass on there and give us those five right, stars. Give us those five stars because yeah. we want to be able to keep being in that algorithm of other podcasts people may like or, you know, being on the charts. Because if we can make it onto the charts, oh God, that would just make me so happy. True story. True story. Okay, and then we need to talk about, we understand, I know there's a lot to cover. It's the brand new season, so lots to cover, I guess. Um, so, so bear with us. Right. So we understand that typically we would have released a... Uh, Dumb Laws. Dumb Laws episode. episode. Thank you. But because of storms, we had recorded, and I made a mistake, and I didn't save the recording, and we had a power outage. So that has completely destroyed that recording. And now Ryan and I are going to have to go back 
and re-record. So this upcoming weekend is we're going to re-release it this upcoming weekend. So just bear with us. You guys will be getting two episodes this week. It's just going to be on the weekend instead because we've got to correlate it with schedules and stuff like that to get it done. Oh, so much. So, so much. You know what else isn't too much, though, to talk about? What's that? Our listeners. Ooh, shout out. It is shout out time. So thank you, Bethany J. Diana P. And Lisa D. for being callers. We could not do this podcast without your guys' support. So, Ryan, we are going to college, essentially. Yay! For the most part, I believe, for these episodes. So, what is the first episode of Season 3 going to be about? It is going to be about the California State University Fullerton Massacre. Ooh, this sounds very, very crazy. I feel like crazy is just the right word to use for this. I'm sure crazy will be the right word for all of them this season. Right. Similar to last season, it may take us a couple episodes to kind of get into the rhythm of how we want to tell you about these cases. So bear with us on this episode and we'll see if we like how it goes or if we want to make some tweaks. Right. Either way, you're going to get the facts. You're going to know what's going on. And And we're going to be dragging some motherfucking murderer. Yeah. Because fuck him. Yeah. I figured... Since we are going to be hopping around at different uh, colleges and universities, okay, I figured it'd be kind of neat to share some interesting facts about them. So I started with some fun, interesting facts about California State University in Fullerton. Okay. So, with a total enrollment of more than 41,000, it has the largest student body of the 23 campuses California State University system has. In 1959, the team mascot was known as the Titan. Like, the, remember the Titans? Um, Is that where that came from? Like, literally? Yeah. I don't, no, I don't think oh, so. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> but then, in 1962, they held an elephant race with 15 entrants, which attracted a lot of attention. Since that day, their mascot is an elephant named Tuffy the Titan. What is it with people and elephants? You states, get it together. No more elephants. I mean, I figured it was funny since a few of our laws incorporated elephants. Elephants. Notable alumni include actor Kevin Costner and musician Gwen Stefani. That's kind of all I got for, like, the fun little facts on it. But, I mean, that's really interesting. Right, I thought so. Kevin Costner, Ben, I know the name, and I feel like if I saw him, I'd be like, that's Kevin Costner. Yeah. You're blanking, aren't you? He was in the that Coast Guard movie with Ashton Kutcher. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I think I'm pretty sure that's Kevin yes. Costner. Yep. But yeah, he's been in a lot of shit. He has. And Gwen Stefani is, you know, she taught everybody how to talk about bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the case and hop on into our trusty time machine and head back to 1976. Here, we are going to meet... 37-year-old Edward Charles Alloway. See, that looks like three first names, and I don't like him. (laughs) Guaranteed serial killer. Right. Throughout his life, he had showed symptoms of being mentally unstable. He attempted to kill himself at least one time prior, which ended him in a mental hospital, where he received shock therapy treatment. He was also diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. So did I ever, I've told you that I used to live next to a paranoid schizophrenic, right? I believe you may have mentioned it in the past. Okay. 
So I guess I should tell the callers a little bit. Growing up, we lived next to somebody that was paranoid schizophrenic. When I say shit got weird, shit got really weird. She would, and I'm not going to use her name, I'm just going to say her. Uh, She one time came over and handed my brother a penny and said, my birth certificate has lied. I am not black. I'm really white. And I was never adopted. Woo. Mm -hmm. And then she said something along the lines of, my five-year-old sister was a prostitute and, or she was a whore. She would constantly come out and like harass us and yell at us. She thought we were sending demons in through her TV and we were always stealing her left shoe. It was sad. It really was sad, you know, to watch somebody go from being so normal to devolving into dealing with a very serious mental health crisis. Right. I'm not excusing him. I'm just saying that was a real personal story. Well, that was kind of kind of got coming to my next uh, thing. I don't okay. I don't know if you actually recall how this case ends or not. No, I don't. But do you give this guy leeway for what he may be or what he is going to be doing because of this fact? These facts. Um, because we know a lot of people try to claim this. And it's right, more but he's bullshit. truly diagnosed with this that. one. This is an actual true case. So I don't know the actual case itself. I right. I need to hear the facts. Let me hear the facts, and then I will give everybody my opinion because I live next to somebody with this growing up. And if I feel like there's excuses there or not, okay, okay. And you know me, I don't like giving excuses. I mean, out of all of them, this might be one. This could possibly be one. Yeah. So, in the early 1970s, Edward moved from Michigan to Southern California with his wife. Now, it's not for sure or confirmed, but many sources said he is from Royal Oaks, Michigan. Okay, so over by Detroit. Correct. So, shortly after uh, Edward and his wife arrived in Southern California, she divorced him. He would later get a job as a custodian in the Library of California State University at Fullerton with the help of his sister, who worked as a secretary in the university's sociology department. Nice. I feel like sociology would be really hard to get into. I mean, yeah, but she was also just a secretary. Right. Give the woman credit. She was the secretary of it. I know. I'm going to feel like a dick. I don't know why at the end. 1970s. He soon remarries to a woman named Bonnie. Their marriage would come to an end shortly before the massacre in May of 1976. This came about because of Alloway's insecurities paired with his paranoid schizophrenia. He believed that his co-workers at the library were producing pornographic films featuring his wife. That is sad. That is and sad. It is a delusion that they easily buy. Yes. Yes, it is. So, let's move on to the massacre itself at California State University in Fullerton. On the morning of July 12th, 1976, Alloway has officially gone off the deep end. He brings a 22 caliber semi-automatic rifle to the west side of the university's library. Then he made his way down to the basement's instructional media center where he began shooting people in the secretary's office. Here, he had his first two victims. Instructional Media Center, IMC, photographer Paul Herzberg was shot twice, once in the head and once in the chest. He was 30 years old at the time. The other was IMC equipment technician, 32-year-old Bruce Jacobson, who was shot once in the chest and once in the back. 
Alloway then entered the hallway where he began firing towards the graphic department at the opposite end. This action would result in him claiming that his third and fourth victim, 72-year-old Professor Emeritus Seth Fesserden. If any of you don't know what an emeritus is, it is a former holder of an office, especially a college professor, having retired but allowed to retain their title as an honor. And 51-year-old Frank Toplansky, who was an IMC graphic artist. He was shot in the head, back, and neck. Frank would survive the initial injury, but would tragically pass away later at the hospital. With shots being fired, people were fleeing for their lives. However, some refused and attempted to fight back. He was confronted by two custodians, 41-year-old Donald Cargus and 25-year-old Deborah Polson. Sadly, Alloway was able to shoot both of them before heading to the stairwell to reload his rifle. Donald and Deborah would be his fifth and sixth victim. Courageous, but stupid? No offense. What do you think? Oh, I don't even find that to be stupid. I find that to be 100% courageous. But if you're going in there with nothing, like I would feel like I have more balls if I'm going in there. So this is why, because they are the two other custodians with him. And I think in their mind, they've developed a friendship with him. And so I think they think us going in there, we're going to be able to rationalize with him and get him to calm down. But is there rationalizing with a paranoid schizophrenic? No, there isn't. And you think at first, if you're experiencing it, that maybe you can. Um, I can say when we were younger and my mom and all of this was going on with the neighbor, we tried at first. But there really just is no true rationalizing with them. But on first encounter, I I don't think these people that he's working with know that he's suffering from this. I I feel like that they would know. Mm. It took his his sister to get him the job. And maybe it was a connection pulling a favor. Right. That's what I'm thinking is that it's more of a connection thing. And now I, because typically when you are paranoid schizophrenic, everybody else is the issue and you don't have an issue. And so I feel like he's not telling people that he's paranoid schizophrenic and they're coming from this as a rational person. And if it was you and I and you went off, people would be like, Keith, go in there and get him. Because I would feel like, or I would try to go in and get you because we have a relationship with each other. I think Donald and Deborah thought they had a good enough relationship with Alloway that they would be able to go in and get him to calm down or reason with him. So in my mind, no, I think they're very brave. So is that something that you think should have to be disclosed? Yes, I do. I think if you're suffering from a serious mental health issue... That's actually been diagnosed. Diagnosed, not... Not not self-diagnosed. I think that is something that, without violating HIPAA, there there needs to be something there that says, like, people, they have this. And and that not to bar them from getting a job, anything like that. I believe these people are able to work. They're able to, you know, people with mental health issues are able to do anything. However, it also needs to be known that, you know, are, are they acting different? Do we need to have a conversation with them about, are they taking their medicine? Are they... You know, are they doing okay to have, like, that health professional just checking in on them? For sure, for sure. You know, and so I think that would require more uh, resources from a company. But a company shouldn't bar somebody because they have a mental health issue from being able to work either. But they also should have fail-safes in place to protect other people around them. Or incidents just like those. Yes, yes. 
I know that might not be like a favored idea. I'm sure I will catch some shit about that. Right, but, but we're entitled to our opinions right, right. and our listeners are entitled to theirs. Right. You know, but like, since we have the podcast, you have to listen to ours. Ha. Right. And then you can write us about it and we'll talk about it. Right. Alloway headed towards the elevators. There, he was confronted by the custodial supervisor, 64-year-old Maynard Hoffman. He shot Hoffman in the chest, and before he could finish him off, Alloway was attacked by assistant librarian Stephen Becker and librarian supervisor Donald Curran. Stephen Becker smashed Alloway in the head with a big plate. That would have been something to see. Yeah, that okay. So when you said that they got him in the back of the head as libraries librarians, all I thought was somebody grabbed one of those giant thesauruses, like those fifty pound thesauruses, which was like catch, bitch. <laughs> so after Stephen smashed Alloway in the head with that big plate, Donald tried to wrestle the rifle away from him. Unfortunately, both were wounded by stray gunshots, allowing Alloway to flee through an emergency exit to a courtyard located on the south side of the university's library. Stephen Becker, despite being shot once already, chased after him. Kudos to him, like, you're not going to stop me. Right. Alloway noticed this and shot Stephen in the chest, killing him. Stephen Becker was 32 years old at the time of this. This would be Edward Alloway's seventh and final victim. Oh, thank God. I really thought that we were going to have more, and I could feel like the goose chills like going down my spine because I thought, oh shit, he just got into that courtyard. Does he have another gun somewhere? Does he have that gun back on him? I was going to stop you, but I was so like, in my mind, I'm imagining they've hit him in the head, they've, they're wrestling, the gun is somewhere, he gets up, and then... He grabbed that gun again in my mind, and he takes off. But he had to have because he shot Steven again. Right. So, so that means he gets stopped at this point because there's no other victims, but he's in the courtyard. Um. Yeah, you'll see why. Okay. Um. But an interesting thing during during the research process, like, okay, yeah, we just read it, but with how fast this was, all this this attack and shooting. Less than 10 minutes from start to finish. Wow. That, so pretty much from how long we've been reading, like we were just reading it and that's as if it happened real time. As so, we were reading it, it happens that fast. I want all of you guys to, at this point, stop, go back and re-listen to the very beginning. Go back 10 minutes when we start talking about him. And then when it says the final victim, you will see that is how long it took for him to kill seven people just a very short matter of time. Right. It's it's just mind-boggling to think. Right. Evading the police for a little while, he made his way to the Anaheim Hilton Inn where Bonnie works. That's his wife, right? Well, technic technically his ex-wife, but I think they were like doing that close, we're still friends. Friends, but we're not married. Right. Right. Yes. That is where he called police stating, quote, I went berserk at Cal State Fullerton, and I committed some terrible act. I'd appreciate it if you people would come down and pick me up. I'm unarmed, and I'm giving myself up to you, end quote. So, yeah, after he got to that uh, courtyard, he just hopped in his car and went to go say hi to Bonnie. So, I can tell you why he went to go see Bonnie is because Bonnie probably had his medication oh. or knew where it was. See, I was thinking it was more of a, in his head, 
Bonnie's a safe place. Well, no. They were showing videos of Bonnie in the films, and he's like, I just did this for you because they were showing naughty films of you. Oh, okay. That's kind of what what, I thought. Okay, no, that makes sense. But she would also know about his paranoid schizophrenia, and she would know the right things to do to talk him down. And the bad thing about being paranoid schizophrenic is you know exactly what you did or said. And then it comes to like the, you flip, it's like a, it's almost like a light switch where you don't think your actions are wrong. And then the light switch comes on and you realize everything you said and did was wrong. But then that voice comes back and it tells you, but were you really wrong? Didn't you see them really do all that? And then you convince yourself again. Correct. And yeah, I would assume that uh, Bonnie would know about his paranoid schizophrenia, even though he was diagnosed prior, right. not with her. Right. So I don't I don't know if he was going to be able to keep it a secret. No, and if they but were married. Probably not. If they were married for a long time, she's going to either see. They were married technically for less than three years. Okay. But either that, you know, but. At the very beginning, I think we talked about she found out about it or she just couldn't handle it anymore and she left him over that. That was the first wife. Oh, that was the first wife. I'm sorry. We we talked about two wives and I thought that Bonnie was one of them that had that issue. But then again, she could have also right, had, absolutely. ran into the same problems and been like, I, I mean, just can't handle this. Yeah, more than likely. Yeah. Yeah. So, sorry. I'm just trying to stick up for Bonnie here a little bit. I feel like people are going to come after her. Maybe for his actions and be like, well, why'd he go to her? I don't know. I didn't see anything too much about that. Got ya. Is it time to go to trial? Clearly they picked him up. They they did go pick him up. So it's trial time. My Okay, before we get into the trial, I have to ask, how crazy would that be to get a phone call that says, I just shot and killed people. I need you to come get me. I don't have the gun anymore, but I did kill people. Oh, it, it would be crazy. As a, as a law enforcement officer, do you feel like your heart would be racing at that point? Or do you think you would be like, oh, this person is, is making a, a prank call? Yeah, is, it, is, is this a prank call or is it real? Right. Because I feel like I I believe that all calls should be investigated. I would Absolutely. go investigate. And I would be like, my heart would probably race a lot. And then I'd get there and be going up to the door Getting ready to like, get ready to knock, and then, hey John, I'm gonna need you to just stand in front of me. You're a little taller. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna knock, and if he happens to have a gun, I'm gonna push you really quick. <laughs> yeah. And John, he's like, I've only been on the force for six months, in this motherfucker. <laughs> like, sorry, I retire in a week. <laughs> So, the defense alleged that Alloway's story about the screening of pornographic videos featuring his wife, well, now ex-wife, were in fact true. And that's why he did what he did in a delirious rage of hate and revenge and the paranoid schizophrenia. want to know where the fuck the defense thought that was true did they have any evidence or are we making a murder of this and just don't have the evidence and saying it and so it's got to be true so my theory is that the defense did this route because he was hoping the jury and the judge would have the same reaction that you did and say you're fucking nuts you're criminally insane but he was already proven to be criminally insane so why not just you? He, he wasn't proven by the court of law. He was said so by his doctors, which is not. But shouldn't that trump the court? 
according to the courts, no. What the fuck? If a doc... Oh, my God. I have so many issues with that. So I am dying of cancer. And the court says, but you're not. So am I miraculously healed from it because the court said, no, I'm not? No, you still are, but you're just not dying as fast as what you think. Oh, my God. Judicial yep. system. Please get your shit together. If there are doctors, typically more than one, goes in and evaluates people like this. And they say, hey, this person has a mental health issue. You don't get the right to say, mm, I don't know. I don't know if I buy it. Because it's not how life works. <laughs> right, right. No, I, I get what you're saying. This is why I have such a hard time with pure jury of our peers. I'm sorry, I need to go off on that. People are dumb. I don't know the law. Why the fuck am <coughs> I going out there ever as a jury member to prove if somebody's story is true or false? Some of you are eating Tide Pods. And if I have <laughs> to go to fucking court for something... I don't want little Tim Tim, the Tide Pod Eater, over there with his friend, Mr. Eat the fucking cotton candy out of the walls, making a decision if I'm (laughs) guilty or not. Because y'all proven to me, no, you don't have good rational thinking. Uh, uh, I mean, that's, that's a very fair statement. Whoever can tell the best convincing story. Right, and this is how the witch trials happen. Correct. You know, we had a jury of our peers, and those women were crazed, and said, oh, nope, she's a witch. Or it was men that were on that jury, and nope, she's a witch, because she's smart. You know? Yeah, I have a lot of issues with juries. Anybody that tells you it's great to serve on a jury is fucking crazy. <laughs> Onward. Yes, sorry. All right. I'm done with my tangent. So, the jury wasn't buying it and found him guilty of six counts of first-degree murder and one count of second-degree murder. However, during the second phase of the trial, the jury deadlocked. So, the judge took things into his own hands. He declared him insane after five different mental health professionals diagnosed him with paranoid schizophrenia. So, now the courts could say, yep, he's crazy. Oh, my God. And as a result of that, he was committed into the California State Mental Hospital System. So, what do you think about that? You don't need five doctors to tell you the same thing for it to be true. Because you know what would have fucked him? If one doctor out of those five didn't believe in paranoid schizophrenia (laughs) and then decided that it wasn't a true thing. Right, right, yeah. We've ran into that issue in our life. We're familiar. Not with paranoid schizophrenia part of like that for us, except for my childhood of dealing with that. But yeah, me and you together, we are we are very familiar with a four out of five doctor thing. Right, right. Well, it was was two out of three for us, but right, that one said no, don't believe that. So stupid. Yep, that's all it would have taken because then he wouldn't have went to a mental hospital. He would have went into, I'm telling you, he would have went into the normal jail system and he would have been a bigger threat there because he's not getting the proper treatment. Right. Ooh, season idea, side note. Okay. Murders in jail. Ooh, that would be a good one. See, he potentially could have been a two-parter. He could have been (laughs) a two-parter. Okay, but yeah, so he was committed to the California uh, State Mental Hospital System after being declared insane. Which he had already been declared insane. Which he was already diagnosed as insane, yes. Right. Now, I'm assuming Alloway's sister blamed herself a lot for the California State University 
Fullerton massacre, considering she was the one who got him the job at the school in the first place. Shortly after the trial, she sadly took her own life by shooting herself in the heart. That is 100% why it has to be that way, then. I mean, I that's only reason I can think of. Yeah, that that is sad to think that. And I, I bet you anything, she didn't tell. She probably pulled strings to get him that job and didn't tell other people. Probably didn't even tell her boss that yes. her brother had a mental health crisis and thought this would be good for him. He's out working with the public. You know, he's doing things like that, and that will help help him. Correct. Yeah, that's um, totally got to be it. Because a lot of people with this mental health issue will isolate themselves because, every, like I said before, everybody else is the problem, and you aren't. And so, man, I feel bad for his sister. All right, I completely agree on that one. So, in 1998, Alloway, along with the backing of a panel of psychiatrists, requested that he be transferred to an outpatient counseling program. That should be 100% denied. His request was denied. Good. And after many relatives and family members of the victims came forward and spoke against it. Right. I'm sorry. I'm not... I, I understand that people with mental health issues should be able to live as normal of a life as possible. But when you have committed such a heinous act mental health issue or not, you still need to suffer the consequences for that. And having you on an outpatient program is only going to allow you possible new delusions and causing another issue. Right. An outpatient counseling program means essentially he would be out um, of out of, of the mental health facility right. and he would be free, but he'd have to be monitored and right. it's like being on a parole. Right. In 2001, reports made by treating physicians recommended his release by stating he was no longer a danger or threat to society. I don't agree with that. Luckily, the courts disagreed, and the recommendation was denied. Good, as it should be. And I will go back to previous statement as my reasoning behind that. In 2016, the victim's families were outraged that Alloway, now 77 years old at this time, was transferred to a minimum security mental hospital. Okay, I don't agree with the families. This is why. He doesn't need to keep staying in a maximum security mental health hospital. He needs to... It's 77. He is not... Right. Is nimble anymore. Hmm. Steal his cane. You'll get him. Right. Being mad and like having a fit because they've moved him from maximum to minimum. And I will say you're throwing a fit. You right. are very much being mad over nothing because and now he's going to get to move around a little bit more. Right. He's right. still in. He's not getting out. Correct. And and from outside perspectives, looking in, that's fair and reasonable to think. But, you know, with the, the victims. Right. Family members who were directly impacted by this. But you know, are these me. victims actually the ones that were directly impacted? Or are these people that claim that they are like the second aunt and second <laughs> uncle of uh, somebody? So the main main uh, people. Well, actually, I'll just continue on here. Okay. Uh, so relatives and family members of victims are determined to make sure Alloway is never released. Deborah Paulson's brother says, quote, we continue to this day to go to court to block his release. It never changes. It's been an ongoing nightmare for all of us from the beginning of 76. So another person that is always alongside Deborah Paulson's brother is um, Frank Taplansky's daughter. 
So it's it's direct direct descendants. It's not right. It's not my second cousin. Okay. Wants because, fifteen minutes. It okay. Is, so I'm going to take back the previous statement of them just throwing a fifth that right a victim's brother and a victim's right, daughter. Right. Because sometimes you'll see people that are like they didn't even know that person, but they're like justice, and they don't know the whole situation. Now at the same time, I'm gonna kind of come for them as well. I understand that this has been a nightmare for you, but unless he's requesting release, and it looks like he only tried twice, once, stop going to court. Stop allowing this to be some... We might need to cut all of this part that I'm talking about, because you might say something else. But I guess for myself, why would you keep putting yourself through that unless there's like a need for you to go to court? The brother is making it sound like he is showing up all the time. Yeah, the victims are entitled to kind of essentially give another um, impact statement at each. Par- at each, these are essentially like parole board oh, meetings. Oh, okay, I so, see what it is. So yeah. this is a parole thing. Essentially, that's, why that's what going- it. That, yeah, but it's called a little bit different. Okay, so I'm going to retract that again. I'm sorry, <laughs> I mistook that, and I thought it was a family just showing up at his family just showing up and being and like you're a nightmare to me well like you're causing that nightmare to you're yourself. a mean nasty old man right okay i am so sorry God. no it's it's it no. is a good thing this is <laughs> episode one i guess that we knew it was gonna happen yeah it's like he, those those recommendations and requests are kind of similar to a. Uh, uh, mental patients, uh, parole hearings that a normal inmate would have. Yeah, yeah. And so, okay, there was multiple parole hearings for him then, which I'm surprised that he was even able to get any type of parole. Well, it wouldn't be parole. It would be a recommendation for outpatient ca- counseling. Or right, it would but be I'm a- surprised he even got that because of the counts that he had against him. You know right, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I get what you're saying. As we do here on the Call Us When You're Dead podcast, we want to take a moment for the victims that were killed on that awful day in 1976. And give mention to them one more time. Paul Herzberg, 30 years old. Bruce Jacobson, 32 years old. Seth Fessenden, 72. Frank Teplansky, 51. Donald Cargus, 41. Deborah Paulson, 25. Stephen Becker, 32. Also, as we do here at Calls When You're Done, we want to give out phone numbers for any listener that may, may need help. There were a couple mentions of suicide in this story. If you or anybody you know is struggling with depression or you fear that you may hurt yourself or somebody else, know that you are not alone and help is available. Contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline by dialing 988. Again, that number is 988. 988 has been designated as the new three-digit dialing code. Instead of a long number, it's just 9888. Right, and that uh, that change actually officially took effect as of last month. Yep. Also, I we don't have like a national number for it, but if you or anybody that you know is struggling with a mental health issue, we ask that you please reach out to a counselor, to a doctor, Please get help. There is always help for you. We don't want to see somebody ever going as far as Alloway did. Don't be a victim of your mental health. Right. Own it. Be a survivor mm-hmm. from that rather than, as Keith said, going as far as what Alloway did. Right. So at the very beginning, Ryan, you asked if I was going to how I would feel about this. Yep. And now that you got the facts. Right. I don't want to justify this for him, 
but in a way I understand it. Okay, I, I got. Okay, can I ask like up plain and simple? Mm-hmm. You know the crimes. You know the sentence. Yeah. You know where he's at now. Did he receive appropriate, in your opinion, the appropriate punishment for the crimes? Or no, one hundred percent. I believe that they one hundred percent gave him the appropriate punishment for his crimes. He knows what he's doing, but he doesn't know at the same time because you really are not you. You are what the new voice or the new almost personality has told you. Like I said, my neighbor, she truly believed that people were coming through her TV. And this was a hundred percent. This is a woman that used to babysit me when I was a child. And it wasn't until later on in life after her divorce that she had uh, experienced stuff like this. This this is something that happens at very pivotal points in people's lives. It can present itself. And so typically with men, you're a lot younger, kind of like Alloway was when he was first diagnosed. With women, it can happen when you're a lot older. And even in uh, severe amounts of stress, it can cause something that wasn't there, at least presenting itself there, to be there afterwards. So... His punishment was 100% deserved, and the, uh, I'm going to give it to the court. They did a great job with where they put him. All right, all because, right. like I said, I feel like if they put him in a normal jail, we would be covering a different— he, we, he would not be in this. Right. He would have been something far worse. Yeah, I, I think I do agree with you as far as everything goes. You, you know, we've had cases in the past where the insanity thing is— where they try to claim insanity. Right, where they claim it, and, and it's it's clear just bullshit. Right. I feel like this is our first case where I believe it. Right, right. I, I 100% believe that he, because this is such a, this is such a weird story to say, these people are filming my wife and making pornographic videos of her. It almost sounds rational, but irrational all at the same time. And that was some of the issues that we had with, our neighbor right but yeah so there you have it yeah this is, is our... episode one i'm sorry that it was weird tangents i'm sorry that it was <laughs> kind of off the rails i know a lot of you might be judging me and thinking like well did you just defend a murderer for the first time in a way i did but i also defend these victims too the they didn't deserve any of this this is not their fault they were but these victims were victims of circumstance almost right you know i guess I feel like an asshole saying even that. Uh, it was kind of harsh, but like I get where you're coming from. Like when I say that, I'm saying like he could have worked at a McDonald's, right, and would have come up with a weird delusion like that. He was the cornerstone because he's the issue. I guess is what I'm saying. Yes, yes. And they were the victims of this were victims of a circumstance that they didn't have control over because Eloy doesn't have control over his brain. I guess is what I'm saying. Assuming he doesn't have control. Well, he doesn't. He doesn't. Right. Well, we don't know. Like, Is a paranoid schizophrenic? You just don't. Right. But there's medications, and we don't know if he was on his medications. Because right. what if he was on his medications and still did this? Then but, no, but, that's wrong. But that's another thing, too. Is So that's why I'm, well, that's why I was saying that uh, the, the assuming. Right. Okay. So assuming, I guess I got to talk about this, too. When you have paranoid schizophrenia, you will start to hear things like you you'll you'll start to feel so good because you're on your medication that you then think I don't need 
the medication and then go off of it. And then it's almost a hundred times worse. Kind of like with depression, where people will start to feel better from their antidepressants and then they feel like they don't need it anymore. And then it gets way worse for them, if that makes any sense. Oh, no, I 110% get it. And so I feel like even if he was on his medication or he wasn't, he would have still come up with this delusion. Sure. And so that's why I'm saying I feel like these victims were victims of circumstance because Alloway was just there. And I think that's why the sister feels so horrible in the end, because she almost essentially, like you said, killed these people. Right, right. Like I would, I would feel bad too. I, yeah. I right, I would too. I'm just saying, like, I'm not trying to defend him. I'm not, but I, I also understand to a weird angle as well. Right. No, there's a difference between defending and understanding. Right, and, but I also don't want. I guess I don't want it to sound like I'm bashing these victims either. No, but callers, there you go. Season one opener: the California State University of Fullerton massacre. I know that was wild. I know a lot of you will probably have opinions on my opinions. So I guess this is the best time to say, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Please give us those five stars. I know some of you may not like my opinion on some of this. I'm sorry. Right. But the best way to show Keith that you did not like his opinion is to give five stars. And the best way to show him that uh, you did like his opinion, you can give me the five stars. Right. So regardless... We're still getting those five stars. Give us those five stars. Please edit this to make me look good. I feel like I sounded like an ass. Also, don't forget to follow us on social on the socials, facebook.com slash callusdead. Follow us on TikTok at callusdead, where you can see some videos of us, or better yet, our big cat Dracars, the sugar gliders, Emma and Regina, or of course, our sweet, lovable dogs, Lola and Bailey. Or you can email us at callusdead at yahoo.com to tell us what you thought about the case. See, you know, the awesome season opener. Ask some questions, suggest some cases, or, you know, just, just to say hi. But until then, remember to stay strong. Do everything with love. Know there's always hope. And if you forget, you can always call us when, when you're dead. dead. Pause, we have a car coming by. Nope, never mind. So is Worf? Worf. Wife. Worf. Worf. She's a Worf. I'm bloopering the Worf. Right. What is a Worf? What would a Worf look like? I'm thinking of that seal with a... That's a Worf. Norwal. A Worf is a Norwal's wife. (laughs) 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 I'm a Norwal. (laughs) So, we have the best blooper right there. Yes, we do. As a custodian in the library library of... Oh my gosh, you are having mush mouth like no other. I know. <laughs> this can be out... Oh my gosh, well, I'm just as bad as you are. Yeah. Alloway's instructions, insecurities, instructions, insecurities. God, what are we on today? On the... Oh God, my allergies. <laughs> 